0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Altero Rugby Pod. Ross Carl here with Josh Iwani deep down south and also uh, James Parsons. On the shore. So it looks like we're going to have a game next week, anyway, which is at least a good start. And one of the people playing that it's likely to be you, Josh. You must be looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. If um, if we get the green light, um, you know, some uh, game that hasn't we haven't seen in a while. So it's definitely um, good feeling to be a part of. So yeah, should be good.
0: Get... Southern man, eh? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, been here seven years now. It's my seventh year down here. So uh, yeah, I'll rip, I'll represent
0: yeah
1: how did you end up down there anyway uh so yeah out of school um the taga academy uh, was in touch and um um were sort of interest other places but it sort of made sense of the university down here as well and um so yeah my parents said i had to go to uni um there was the rugby aspect and a few kings boys um were coming down as well so yeah, just made sense to come down. So 2014 came down and yeah, haven't looked back pretty much.
0: Was it good to get out of there? Like, is it good for a young player to get away from home and sort of learn life as well as rugby in a different city?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, at school, I was in the boarding school. Um, so I was sort of, um, well, I felt like I was a little bit independent and um, I, I preferred to leave home once I finished school. So yeah, came down to Dunedin. Uh, I was on the halls, halls of residence. Um Met a few, you know, made some friends. And then we fed it together. Uh, lived together for the next few years. Um, a few boys playing rugby as well. So, yeah, we had some good memories. And, um, you know, good old student days. Eh? The old, no money, no worries. So, no, it, was, it was good
0: times. What was that like? What was the good thing about going into an academy setup? It was good because
1: well, we came down and... um we we'll we had training the first week and the first week was actually O week. You know, as a student coming down on the halls, you know, but was a bit you know, O week training. But no, nah, it was good. The yeah um, training's yeah, balance, <laughs> right. gotta promote the balance, bro. Um Surely give O week off, eh? You would I'm next week. The smarter but, uh, coach would be. You get a bit of yeah.
2: goodwill as a coach, I reckon.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then you just get buy in a eh? buy-in from the boys yeah. the next few weeks. No, but we had, um, it was good just training with the new boys that are coming down, and um, with Dunedin, you get a lot of boys that come from other provinces also, for, for the uni and for the academy, so we had a few boys that went from um, Dunedin as well, which was good, um, which I could relate to, and then we had trainings most mornings, and two Arvos, Um and we would train together, and then we'd go off to our respective clubs. And then whatever we're working on during that join those academies would we'll try to apply. Um a of, the target coaches would give us things that try to apply through Club Rugby. And um, yeah, no, it was good.
0: So is that is that the kind of pay is the academy paid or is that just something that you do on the side? It's paid for some
1: uh, what I don't know how other provinces, but it's needed it's paid for some players and for some it's um it's not. Um, and then some some players are just uh, invited to train with the Otago and the Otago system. Did you go through an academy setup?
2: I came through Harbour. I had one year um, down, in, down in Canterbury and then came back home um, and came through the Harbour sort of setup. But it was a little bit more, I think there was more sort of money involved back then. You know, like academy was, there were bigger academies uh, when I was coming through. But with Modity and Cup and like the financial strain, I think, you know, the, the academies seemed to be. A lot smaller now in the in the smaller provinces, and I think also you're seeing a lot more of the younger guys actually playing Miter Ten Cup, so they're almost skipping the academy processes, sort of moulding into a you know a young crop joining that Miter Ten Cup squad um, or the or the development squad.
1: I think one thing like that's good for Matago is like, or well, in some other provinces would be like their relationship with the uni. So um, if players were trying to get, you know, tuition courses or money within their uni or take it off their student line, then it's sort of appealing for um, some some boys looking to leave home or get into those um, areas with the universities.
2: Yeah, and I think that's massive. It was similar for Harbour. We had a great relationship with Massey University uh, when I was coming through, and obviously I, I went to uni, so it was always, uh, um, you know, I suppose a added bonus that you can do sort of both and, and still get your rugby. Um, but I think that again, that's sort of fallen away. Obviously, it's a natural thing for like Canterbury Uni and, and Otago Uni, but it's probably not such a big thing up here in Auckland anymore.
0: How come you headed back up to Tacker? You, uh, you know, the Can- I suppose the Canterbury Academy is probably, I presume, the most renowned of all of them.
2: Yeah, oh, mate, there's just too much of a logjam. Um, and I sort of like I was missing home and just didn't, wasn't enjoying it as, as much as I thought I, I would. And, um, I think we Canterbury 19s or something, we played Harbour and then the Harbour guys touched basically after that game and just was a natural fit, like, you know, I'm from the region and, um, you know, it was a great experience getting away, I suppose, from home, similar to Josh, um, fending for yourself, at, you know, to a point, I mean, the halls of residence isn't that tough, to be fair, down in Canterbury, but uh, definitely away uh, from home, fending for yourself and then, you know, obviously my wife was back in Auckland, so we're doing long distance, so... Um, I was pretty keen to get back here for that as well.
0: What was it about the Canterbury setup? Was it different to anything that you've experienced before that?
2: It's the only thing I experienced first off, you know, like that was – I wasn't really involved in Auckland secondary school rugby at, like, at any stage. So um, I'd experienced some harder stuff. um, But I wasn't in – like, there's different tiers. It's hard to explain. Like, I wasn't in their main academy. It was, like – I was like just on the Battlers Academy, basically, if we're going to put it nicely. (laughs) Um, But yeah, again, at that stage, I didn't even see rugby as a a career. It was more something I did alongside university. So I didn't really get to see the inside and out like I played for the 19s and the Canterbury Barbarians. But outside of that, you know, like I wasn't really ensconced in their system like um, who was coming through at the time. And um, maybe guys like Willie Hines and Colin Slade and that were like in the Big Dog Academy, um, if that makes sense.
0: So, I mean, you're both Auckland lads and you both ended up going to academies out of Auckland, I suppose. So, what's the, what was the deal there, um, Josh? Did Auckland's academy, I suppose, did they have a relationship with the Auckland Uni and all those kind of things? Well, How come you ended up down south? Uh,
1: well, yeah, I suppose I just wanted to... Um... Um, be in an academy And um, sort of there was just no room In the in the Auckland one When I left school um, And so when the opportunity came to go Down to Dunedin It sort of just fit um, what I was after You know, the university Leaving, getting out of home Being you know, independent uh, Being able to join an academy um, And keep training And so yeah it, um, I guess just the fact that there was no room in Auckland So um, looked elsewhere I guess, yeah
2: for me, it was probably different. Um, my sister was down at uni, um, wanted to get out of Auckland. It uh, wasn't like rugby wasn't a driving factor for me to leave. It was more um, go see what Canterbury Uni was like because my sister loved it there, so I had a crack at that. Um, and then and then rugby sort of took off for me. Like That was probably when I started thinking, oh, yeah, I could actually do all right. And that's why I was like, oh. I spoke to Mark Hammett, who was the Canterbury 19 Bar Bar's coach, and he was he thought it was a good idea for me to, um, head back up to Harvard. Just obviously, there's a probably a quicker route to minor ten cup to get my career started, rather than I think Corey Flynn and Tipolo were just sort of uh, in the Canterbury team, and obviously they they had massive careers, so it was probably a smart move. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, that's the thing. I suppose when, we always talk about how much talent there is. Like it's the right place at the right time, right manoeuvre. Like you've got to really make the right plays at a very young age to get to the place you need to go.
2: Yeah, I definitely think for a player like me that you know hasn't. You know, had a schoolboy standout sort of stardom. You know, it's you've got to find a place where you're going to get a crack because your only currency is your current form and and what you can do on the field to get a crack. What you can do on the training paddock, paddock. and if you're not in front of the right people, you're not going to get picked. um You know, no one's really going to be watching too much club rugby, so you you got to take those opportunities when when they present it. And you know, Harbour presented it for me, and obviously it was home and it was you know awesome for me. I really wanted to come back to Takapuna Rugby Club. Uh, Blair Larson was a coach um, at the time. So, you know, he was a big factor in me coming back as well.
0: Do you have one of a dying breed as far as, you know, guys who are coming out of school and not being a schoolboy superstar? Do we have guys like that entering into these academies and into these minor 10 Cup teams now very often?
2: I think so. Yeah, there's definitely guys that don't make schoolboys. And um, I don't, I think if players like myself are, are a dying breed, we're probably going to miss out on some good talent. So I don't think so. It's just some people develop. Like I think when I left school, I was like 81 kilos, you know, like I wasn't for a hooker. That's pretty tiny. Um, so, you know, like it's, it's just some people develop, like I didn't really understand gym work or anything like that. So you got to learn it and understand that that's what you to do, how to eat. Um, and some guys are just naturally beasts. At a young age. So they've got the physical prowess. They've just got to hone their, um, I suppose, their mental craft. So it's two, you know, the way I see it is I probably, you know, had uh, top two inches wise, like I was prepared to push my body as far as possible and, and I, you know, could live in the hurt locker, I suppose, but physically I was a bit of a battler. So I had to work really hard at that. Whereas other guys are physically, you know, dominate at a young age, but then they've got to make sure that they develop the mental edge as well. Jimmy talked about with um
1: you know being in the right place or um being getting in front of the right people, I came down to Dunedin and i we had uh, Hayden Parker peter breen um Fletcher Smith, so um those first few years, I sort of just did the the student life you know and um, really enjoyed it, had a really good time and then um I was sort of in the right place at the right time as those boys came to the end of their careers and um looked to go elsewhere and then that's sort of when I came through. But um yeah, just like Jimmy said, with um, you know, there's a lot of talent in New Zealand and um like what he alluded to with two sides, you know, you're gonna have the, the the mental side of things as well. I'm a huge believer and it's um it's one of the muscles that you have to train to to get better. And um at a at a young age a lot of players do have that um dominant physical ability, you know, but um just having that ability to back it up with that mental side, um I feel like will, get players a long way, especially at that young age coming out of school.
0: So you got a couple of years of club footy in, did you, before you actually got that cracked?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it um, done at Southern Magpies. Actually on 48, 49 games now. Right? I kind of took off that 50, thing. Um But, yeah, a few years done at the um, Magpies, which was good. We are lucky enough to win one in 17, which was... um which was, which was beauty So in 17 I was actually uh, That was my first year injury replacement with the Hollanders And um, I just Everything I learned at the Hollanders I just took to my club Like all the same systems you know, um, All the same ways that we're trying to The Hollanders were trying to play And because I was never going to play that year I was um, just in for injury And I just took that to my club And um, we just tried to adopt the same Same systems And that uh, no, was good it's a good time.
0: Does it work easily?
1: No, no, it doesn't. But, um, it was like before training club trainings and stuff, we'd have um, a video analysis, which really helped. And, um, we'll just talk about what I'll just try to drive the same things that um Brownie was driving in the Hollanders team, just put pretty much the philosophy around um the way that they were playing. So, just trying to trap and move the ball using a kicking game, just around those things that I try to take to um club rugby that year and um, we had other like, Hollanders in the team, um, Tay, Tay Warden and uh, Tom Franklin played a few games that, that year
0: so they helped driving that stuff around the club as well so it was good. You've got a few first fights at the club at the moment as well now don't you with um, obviously Mitch Hunt and Brent Gatland and you you came back in at 10 and you moved Mitch back to fullback and that seemed to work a treat. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I was uh, I was happy to get back out there at 10. Um felt felt good after um, pre-COVID and having Mitchie up there was definitely um a bonus, you know, with his chat and, and he's got a lot of experience and um sometimes, you know, during games, um trying to demand the boys outside of me to give, you know, to help our drivers and Mitchie's definitely um really good at helping helping our drivers as as he is one as
2: those well. Um so no, it was good. We um I thought like we had a good combination of there looked like when you came back, mate, you really backed your running game, which we probably haven't seen too much in the past, yeah you know, and we mm-hmm. we made a comparison on here around you and Richie, and I know it's unfair because mm-hmm. you you're, you're your own man, but um, <laughs> do you feel like that's an area that you know it looks like a natural skill, but now that you've had a few years under your belt, it's gonna become you know more of a threat?
1: Yeah, I guess um the way that the land has played previous years, and even pre-COVID, we like to kick the ball. A lot and when we came back from after COVID we um, we sort of changed our mentality and that we wanted to hold the ball and um, you know try to starve teams of the ball and we that we do have good attacking weapons and um, the coaches and leaders did a good job of driving that and that uh, if anyone wants to have a crack you know have a crack and so yeah I feel like um, that's part of my game that um, one that I, I like doing is Running the ball, um, the boys outside me get a bit angry sometimes. Not you know, not letting the ball go. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's one part of the area of the game that I like doing, and um, that comes a bit more natural than other areas. So um, I was happy that I was able to express myself a bit more in that second
0: half of the year. Imagine when you're searching for confidence, the ability and from the coaches to give you a chance to run the ball when you want to run the ball is a big thing, isn't it? Because if, if they're telling you to kick it, it's not necessarily something that's going to give you your confidence back. Ball in hand gives you confidence back, right?
1: In the first part of the year, they were driving, looking for um, space to put the ball in behind. Where well, we saw sort of some mentality a little bit in the, in the um, second half and had the uh, mentality that any opportunities we see, just to pull trigger on it and um, just back yourself, the team will get behind you and um, I think that paid paid um, good dividends in the end.
2: Of- and it looked like it because even when you did pull the trigger and it was say, you know, you can tell when something's planned and something's you know just off the cuff. The the body's emotion around that player. So say against the Crusaders, I think you made a, you you received it first and you stepped inside and then you got through and gave an offload. I think it might have been to even Aiden Johnson, who wears a pretty low number. It, it did look like the Highlanders just really adjusted their mindset of just having a crack and then backing their mate and and. More so, not just in those moments, but your breakdown just seemed to be both sides of the ball seemed to be way more brutal in that, in the, in the, I suppose, Super Rugby Aotearoa.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, that's another thing that the um, coaches did a big job around is um, just driving the um, breakdown and brutality. And um, I feel like our 4 Pack did a really good job in um, reacting and um good area, a good job around the breakdown, the collisions and just reacting off
0: the ball, I felt like it was awesome. Is That just a mindset thing. I think you have got to train it, eh?
1: Yeah, mindset, and but you got to train it also, and um, put put it in during the week so you can put it on Saturday.
0: So Honda's training's got pretty rough today for a, <laughs> a couple of days a week. Well,
1: yeah, after that, after that um, COVID break, when we came back, you know, all the boys came back with um, you know, hungry and wanting to prove something that you know we were better than what we put out in that first part of the season. So. Um, you know, we, we got it right at times, I felt, and I felt like we, we didn't get it right at times, and so I think there's a definitely good learnings going forward.
0: Yes, um, it was a really big switch up towards the end where you could just see it oozing the confidence, you could see line breaks, you saw it all just happening. Is it a matter of like you kind of just felt it click? Could you just knew that this is this was going well? Yeah,
1: yeah, yes and no. Yeah, um, uh, when, we, when we got it right, you know, we knew um, what to do and um, players around the ball knew to how to react, you know, when we got it right. Um, and like uh, a lot of thought was around that stuff that I said before, around the collisions, the breakdown. Um, I feel like our forwards did a really good job of giving um, Nug, myself and other players um, good front ball. Um, Nug was able to get out of the rucks and playmate from nine um, I was able to get good front front football and pull trigger on any opportunities I see. So, um, but yeah, I see. I think the mindset that we came back with after COVID um, was a big big switch up for us.
0: Oh, Nugg was a weapon in, in, in Super Rugby wasn't he? Like it was incredible how well he was playing.
1: Yeah, he's yeah, he had a really good season and um, it was huge. Congrats to him for his one fiftieth in, in that last game. Um, was a bit on the on the um, on the cuff if we were going to play that game but um, I was wrapped that he was able to get that 150th, and the boys um, the boys definitely wanted to play for him that game,
0: and were happy to get the win against the Canes. When you've got a guy like that who's so good at running a game inside you, how differently do you have to play in comparison when you play with other halfbacks when you're playing with Aaron Smith?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one, eh? So, like, um, coming through with the Landers, and honestly with uh, Lima leaving, it was hard because I was a new 10 coming in, playing with the most experienced nine. And so, you know, as it's the ten's job to tell the nine what to do Sort of, you know And I found it kind of hard telling him what to do, you know So, um, but, you yeah, know, we've formed a good relationship And um, over the last couple of years And, um, you know, he's he's got good skills um, Kicking So we use his kick a lot And uh, we use his pass a lot Just to um, use that width across the field And he's faster the ball, you know and, and delivers quality ball, but he's also a good attacking threat around the ruck. I think that's something that he wants to, to show this year. Um, you know, just not just getting to the ball and just passing, but getting to the ruck, creating holes for his forwards, um, which I think he did really well.
0: For a guy like you with the ball coming at you like that, does it feel different catching an Aaron Smith pass? Everyone talks about it. Like, when it hits your hands, does it feel different?
1: If A lot of people ask me that. Um, I wouldn't say it feels different. I just think it's more consistent. So like it's just hits the spot more times and more consistently than other um, other halfbacks, you know. So, um, when you get that many passes during a game and it's just, if you're getting passes consistently at the
0: same spot, you know, it's, it feels good. Having that experience, I suppose, with top-level players is a big thing. Jip, you had that 2014 tour um, with the All Blacks and you got to play at Murrayfield. Well, what are your memories of that and then stepping up to the big time?
2: Um, well, I was over there for the Barbers, so I sort of had that Wallabies game, which was sort of a good fit for me, you know, like I think if I hadn't had that, I would have been feeling a little bit more nervous, but because I'd sort of gone all right in that game, and that obviously is the reason I got selected. I had a little bit of confidence, um, but I going into the environment, even at 26, um, which you know is a little bit later than most, like I was pretty nervous. Room with Kevi, which was nice, you know, because like we, we were common that first week, and I sort of just knew if I went hard enough at training, I might give myself a chance to slip in for a game. But I also knew that there's a high possibility um, I wouldn't. Um, but managed to to do all right and um, got the nod for 14. But the, I suppose the biggest thing I remember is um, for me as a, a new guy in the group is just how Richie um, approached me as a leader and took a lot of pressure off me. Like um, whenever I might have made a mistake, he might have t- taken it um, on the chin, you know, say if it was, a, I, I remember in the test match. Uh, threw a line out and I'm pretty like, I know it was overthrown, like, you know, when it was overthrown. And he was like, No, nah, no, nah, mate, I was too slow off the ground. So straight away, he took that responsibility away from me. And like, whether I was right or wrong, like, in the moment, I was like, Okay, sweet. And I could move on really fast. And, and the, from a leader's point of view, as I've developed, I've always looked back at that tour and, and tried to do the same as, you know, when there's young guys in and around the group is to relieve that pressure, especially in the games because um, it, it, it had a massive effect on the way I performed for the rest of the test, whereas, you know, when it's on your test debut, you you'd make a mistake like that in the all-black jersey, and if you held, held on to it, then you make another, sm- another mistake, you know, it's like it can sort of be disastrous, so those the, those are the sort of biggest thing. Um, had a massive um, blowout as well, like I partnered with, so you have buddies, um, I'm sure they've still got it now, and, and I was, Richie was my buddy, and you just got to make sure that they're on the bus and stuff and and I remember coming down this is my first week in the team coming down the escalator and like behind Richie and and like he obviously got stopped and stuff like by fans and like I jumped on the bus and I was like oh well he's here you know that's great um, and we got to the training ground and everyone was like oh where's where's Rico and I was like oh no he's here like I came down with him they're like man he's not on the bus that's your one job and he's like and Kieran Reed was like oh, mate, you've left the skiff at the hotel. you left the skip at the hotel. And this is like day two. So, like, I'm just petrified. I'm like, oh, I've had such a blowout here. And then, like, five minutes later, uh, Richie comes running around the corner. He'd run from the hotel to the training ground. And he was like, nah, mate. Nah, mate, that's terrible for me. You know, I should have just got on the bus. Like, I was feeling, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's like, nah, nah, it's on, on me. Just little things like that. Um, he just was so approachable um, for a guy that I had so much respect for. So easy to talk to, but again, you know, he always would take the responsibility on his shoulders to make my week easier, and I think that is one of the biggest things I learned out of that tour from a rugby aspect.
0: Who did you buddy up with for the Tonga game, Josh? Uh, I
1: was with uh, Dane Colsey. Uh, Dane I so. um, It was like, yeah, when you get into that environment, you know, you see a lot of, um, you know, see a lot of boys or men that you've seen play a lot, but you, you haven't played much with them, you know, and um, budding up with Colsey, I didn't really know. How to, you know, like, you know, this is the first time in, that's Dan Coles. You know, like, oh my gosh, that's Dan Coles. And you're, you're his partner and then you're on the bus and they're like, is your partner here? And, you know, I sort of look back and see if Coles is there. <laughs> yeah, you look back, oh, yeah, yeah, he's there, but you don't want to make too much eye contact. Oh, but like, nah, he's he's a good man though. Um Got to on with a little bit more, so you know, it was good. He looked after me. It's cruel that they partner you with a guy at the back of the bus. The, the back of the buses, I don't know how, how it was a huge, but um, the back of the, the buses is, is a funny one. You eh? you get on the bus and you're a new boy and there's no seats at the front of the bus. Yeah. You know, you, you're like, I'm not going down the back of the bus. Right.
2: <laughs> you know? So, no, my first, I just sat
1: down by the stairs, you know, the, when you walk up the bus by the bus driver. I just sit down on the stairs by the bus driver (laughs) There's no way I'm walking
2: to that back No (laughs) jokes, I had to do the same thing Like I fell off late And like you just, your heart drops As soon as you walk through the door you're like Oh my god, this is terrible I I literally just looked around and no one moved And I was just like, oh well And then I just, (laughs) the stairs Like this little kid (laughs) But it's like oh when um when
1: first in the team because Sevu was a new player as well in any meeting we had as soon as the meeting finished up. bang, straight to the bus, because yeah. if you're a newbie and you're late to
2: the bus and there's no seats at the front,
1: you're, you're sitting bugging. on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> I, I
2: learned after that, I just sprinted to get a seat, like, yeah. so I was so embarrassed there. I remember Steve just looking at me like, <laughs> you're a 26-year-old <laughs> sitting on a bus of stairs. like, I don't even even have the excuse of, like, I'm 19 or something, like, yeah, 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 I've okay. been around a long time, I was just like, this is so demoralising. <laughs> Did he throw you a bone? <laughs> no one said nothing. It was like I was just so embarrassed. I was just like head down just yeah. But we didn't have far to go, like most of the time like you would walk to where we were going, but we're in the middle of London and it was like I think maybe my first or second day I was just like and the Kevy said to me afterwards, he's like, mate, any chance you get just get to that bus as quick as yeah. possible. But you, you get
1: sometimes when like um some of the some other boys they come on, then new boys, and then some of the boys in the middle would move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but but if no one moves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, my
2: Were you on music? Nah, nah. They didn't oh, put this yeah. battler on music thing, yeah, at all. there are enough seats on the bus though, eh? Like Yeah, they are, but it's like a f- it's a funny thing. Like if those guys in the middle don't move because they don't mm. feel comfortable to move closer to yeah. the back either. Yeah. So it's like it's a real um, I suppose it's just an old school thing, a uh, uh, respect. Mm. A respect thing, but you know it's happening, and you know you can't do anything about it. It's just if you're that guy, it's just oh, it's devastating. And the time that I was in, there was sort of like a, um it was well, there was a big squad. Yeah, you know, yeah. The squad same. was yet to
1: be the squad was yet to be chopped down, and so you know there there was seats enough seats, but there was limited, yeah. So
2: you'd be ballsy though to just walk down and sit, sit nah. Like in the middle, like you. Oh. I don't think you get. I don't think you get much <laughs> respect if you tried that. Nah. It's, it's. Yeah. I think you get respected more if you take the seat on the stairs, even though it is, <laughs> it, is <laughs> it is, embarrassing. Yeah, it is. Bro.
0: So are they laughing at you at the back, or is it just? Dead oh silent? mate, I'm like, sure they're
2: pissing themselves. But it was dead silent, <laughs> silent when I was on there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the first thing I told when I came back to um, the minor 10 boys. I told them, oh bro, as soon as the meeting finishes, you see all the new boys stand up straight to the bus.
2: Yeah.
1: All the oldies
0: take their time. You know. So, you know. so what happens on the Miter Ten bus though? So you get an All Black cap. Surely, at a Miter Ten bus, that automatically grants you a space at the back seat. Yeah, uh, Tago is not too bad.
1: Tago, are pretty, um, pretty relaxed around there. You know, boys sit wherever. But um, yeah, Super Teams in um, uh, the All Blacks definitely, you know, goes by caps Yeah,
2: it's way more relaxed. Um, but Super Teams are definitely still pretty serious. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's an interesting with the uh, the Hollanders, like you know, we had a influx of new boys, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Are there any other rules on the bus? Anything else that you can or cannot do, like folklore?
2: Nah, it's just you always got to have the music. The music's Mm. music's a tough committee to be on, Mm. Um, and info as well is pretty tough. Like Mm. if you travel, uh, normally the young boys get on info, and you know (laughs) you've got to make it, I suppose, funny and. We've got Peter E for us in the Blues, and he's pretty good. He puts little rhymes together. Scott Scraffin. Who's that, bro? Kurt, uh, Kurt Eklund. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's, yeah. he's pretty good. Um, Scott Scraffin was pretty good, too. Him and Michael Collins used to make up little little rhymes. Um, yeah. them. MC would would be all yeah. over a few boys. Yeah, him and uh, Mitch Hunt were pretty good uh, at yeah. little segments.
1: Yeah. Marty Banks was another one who was pretty good. But he used to love getting on the mic, and the boys would
0: just laugh. I don't know if they're laughing with them or,
2: yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's
0: pretty good. What are they doing on the mic? Just entertaining?
2: Yeah, so, like, there'll be little, like you say, little segments, like, I suppose, um, I don't know if I'm able to say it on here, but Idiot of the Week, <laughs> of the Week and a few others. Um. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. I don't know, just stuff that happens during the week. They might take the the mickey out of the coaches as well, which, man, always treads a real fine line. Like, (laughs) I sometimes think, geez, these guys are ballsy. Like, I'd never do it when I was a young fella, but it's the new age way, isn't it?
1: Or, like, if if we're playing in Auckland. If we're playing in Auckland, we get um somebody from Auckland to tell a story that's happened, or like that, you know, just a funny story from Auckland, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or if we're playing in Christchurch, a Christchurch lad might jump up. The Info you might get a Christchurch lad to jump up and just, yeah, tell a yarn, tell a funny yarn, and the boys will just rate it out of 10. Or, yeah, it's, it's all good for them, Ben. It's yeah. all good.
2: I'm obviously too nice because, like, the back, I'm backseat of the blues and I just get paid out pretty much every year of info. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just get ripped to bits. It's like every week I just almost put my headphones on and I'm just like, yeah, no, nah, cue, cue the mock me. Oh, but, like, I think that when I first started, man, the back back of the bus wouldn't get touched, you know. Nah, but between myself and Sonny Bill, I um, used to get a bit of grief from Scraff when he made his as well. Um but yeah, it's sort of reverse now. It's like it, the coaches and and the older players get paid out, and the young boys just have a laugh. You probably wouldn't want
0: to take the piss out of Steve Hansen.
2: You know what I mean? Like, who have you seen walk the line real tight? Oh, I
1: haven't seen it in the um, All Blacks environment, but also the Lander's, their old um, Jack Wesson definitely. Walk the line. Oh. <laughs> I believe he, that. I bro, believe he, that. He was walking a thin line. <laughs> All the boys are just head down. giggling. Oh. <laughs> he's a character, eh? Yeah, oh, he's
2: uh, definitely a character. That's yeah. for sure. The old big I ring, self proclaimed big yeah, ring. Yeah, the self proclaimed big <laughs> ring. Guy. He, uh, oh, yeah, but I don't want to say what he was saying,
1: but um, yeah, he definitely, Jack Whedon's a, a man that will walk the Close line.
2: It must be yeah. a lock thing because mine's scrap, man. Oof, I just thought some weeks he wouldn't get selected, <laughs> <laughs> or if he got into a fight on the field, I don't know if any teammates would have come to help him out. <laughs> but uh, as you said, like I think these days everyone's a lot less sensitive um, and a lot, yeah. more, a lot more open to its sort of you know, there's no hierarchical sort of thing, so it's a lot easier these days um, to win. Of when I first started, man, you just I remember like when I first got on the harbor team, guys like Rudy Wolf and 2 PC like pretty much didn't talk to me for a year. And I was like, What, mm. what have I done wrong? It's mm. just like I didn't warrant a conversation because <laughs> 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 yeah. I was mates to Andy demoral. And I was like, Mate, these dudes hate me or something. And I was like, nah, they just do that with new dudes. I was like, Oh, okay, sweet. <laughs> yeah, when I uh started off the
1: Hollanders, um, Lima definitely took me under his wing, but he was he looked after me and borderline bully, you know, like, you know, made me stronger, but he definitely yeah. gave it to, he gave it to me every day. And um, one time I jumped on the bus with the landers and there was no seat at the front. And um I, I sort of, you know, backed myself to sit in the middle, you know, like here we are and then I start walking towards the back and uh Lima, Lima stands up and he's like, You're not coming back here, boy. Sit on the floor. He's like, Sit on the floor at the front I'm like, Oh <laughs> I'm, like, nah. I'm like, nah I was like, Oh and then um lucky we had um Tom Franklin, who you know I played with it, um, Southern and Otago a little bit, so he was like, "Nah, bro, sit next to me, sit next to me." So I was able to dodge that one. And yeah. but yeah, yeah, those
2: old boys, eh? <laughs> Reeks is like that, man. If anyone oh, starts yeah. moving back too far, he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Where are you going? Where are you going? Back down there, boy! Back down there!" <laughs> I can see him being like that. So man. funny. He's like, "Sorry, how many caps? What?" Nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> With a guy like
0: him, those guys are probably the same age as them too. They just haven't done oh, what probably He's probably older. Small <laughs> <around. Yeah.
2: laughs> what is he? He's still he's still nineteen, isn't he?
0: He's done all right for a teenager.
2: He loves it. He's already he's over fifty games. He's pretty much he's creeping to the back there. Uh, but he's gold. Like that's the one thing is when I'm at the back, like you guys like Reeks, um, are gold to have there because they know that no one, no one ever has to bother us because they, he doesn't let anyone pass.
0: Chipper, are there any other kind of things that from like the All Blacks tour that you went on,
2: sort of traditions like that that you had to get used to? Oh, the first one was um, they had um, a thing called Club Night where you wear your club jersey, yeah. and um, I obviously had come to the bar bars, so you know, I didn't have my Tacker jersey. And I tell you what, you turn up to one of those events without your club <laughs> jersey, it's <laughs> it's quite an event. And I like I was surprised how for a Tuesday night, like how relaxed, like the environment, you can see why they're so successful is they do really um, I suppose, relieve the pressure and tension outside of the training mm. training windows, which you know obviously makes you have fun, you get to know people, you get to be able to sort of be yourself. Um, <clears throat> that's the other thing like that, that they're so good at letting you just be who you are and um, in, a, in an environment sense and, and there's no sort of I don't know it's weird to explain but like I just thought it'd be way like it'd be 24 7 intense but there was great moments where you could sort of during the week uh, relax and, and enjoy yourself but then I suppose from from, like, as it gets close to the test, it, it obviously intensifies a lot just internally, but as a team as well. But yeah, club nights are pretty cool, just similar thing to things on the bus, you know, just fine, but also uh, you'd buy raffles um, mm. and there'd be some pretty good prizes. You awesome know, like prizes, eh? some good cash prizes too. Yeah. Like when you're battling away uh, and you're first in the squad, you're just like, oh, please yeah. get me that one. I remember the week of um, my test debut, I think it was like 1500. Was one of the because it builds up over time if it's not one yeah. or something I can't remember how it worked and <laughs> Dan Carter won it and everyone was just like oh put it back in put it back <laughs> in the pot mate. put it back in the pot and he did oh um, good man <laughs> um, but it was, things like that are just funny and and as I said like that environment that Tuesday night was awesome for a new guy in the team because you can really sort of get to know everyone which was cool
1: yeah my first club night um. Because they had a couple of like you know beers there, and I was sort of like you know oh oh you know I don't know am I gonna get judged here you know? So I had one, I had one, I had one, and then uh, we get to the raffles, and um, I bought like so many raffles, and I lined them up, had all my numbers, and there was a cash prize. I think the cash prize got to two um, thousand something, and then the, that was one prize, and then the, the another prize was um, two pairs of Yeezys. So I had all my um, I had all my tickets here. And then the guy next to me, I bought about 20 tickets. The guy next to me bought two tickets. One ticket comes in, $2,000 cash prize, and another ticket comes in, oh. and um, both pairs are easy. So I was like, "You're, I've got 20 tickets lined up right here. He's bought two tickets, bro. He bought two tickets. Like, oh, my god! Boys are as <laughs> well. Yeah. But no, yeah. <laughs> have been, see, it was a good time, man. Those club nights, I really enjoyed those. So the
0: ticket cost.
1: Yeah, like range is like different depending on the prize, but – anywhere between $5 to $20. Because that's a, how they get the
2: prizes, is the boys buying the tickets basically become the prizes to, unless, um, like, these gifted ones like Yeezys and that. The best is when, like, guys win, like, say, I don't know, a player that doesn't really like shoes or something wins the yeah. Yeezys, and everyone's <laughs> just, like, devastated. They're just like, oh, my God, why has he got them? He's never going to wear them.
0: He would be the person who got the Yeezys who just would never wear them. I imagine, like, a Joe Moody wouldn't. Be strapping
2: on a pair of Yeezys? No, he might. I, I reckon. Oh, when I was there, I don't think old um, Luke Romano would be too keen to run a pair of Yeezys. <laughs> I think he's run the same pair of shoes his whole life. Um, that's probably because he's got size he eighteen feet. Um, but yeah, he, he, he would have been the one on my tour um, that wouldn't, do, wouldn't have phased him. I don't think.
0: Colsey, yeah, Colsey doesn't seem uh, very uh, fashionable either. Yeah, I heard I heard he's not much of a um, Yeezy's man, That
1: I think um, the boys try to get Valeska um, to uh, hook him up some Yeezy's just as a joke and see if he'd take them in. But,
2: yeah, yeah. Colsey,
1: I heard, he wouldn't take them.
2: He just loves this Warriors kit. He just loves yeah. Warriors <laughs> It's a
1: nice Warriors jersey, yes, It's a nice <laughs> Warriors
0: jersey, yes. it's A good old school one. Shit, I mean, there's enough Warriors jerseys to choose from. I can imagine over there right now, like, they're playing – in a different jersey each week, they have to book a whole hotel just to keep all the different Warriors jerseys that are, that are lying around. It's a different yeah. jersey every single game.
2: I know they've have definitely got a few. Especially, it's become more common over the over the years, hasn't it, to have a number. I suppose that's yeah. the, the commercial dollar they're after. Would you don a bush shirt? Why not? I'd look like. It did, I didn't. It didn't. It wasn't such a polarizing jersey for me as it was for others. But um, I'm probably I'm on on that. Uh, not that fashionable category, so <laughs> probably asking the wrong guy.
0: They love a Swandro down at the Highlanders. It kinda of looks like half the stuff you guys wear.
2: Yeah, yeah. The Holland,
1: yeah, <laughs> boys, um because our number one's Are with Swandro and um Yeah, they're nice, nice, like the jackets are like really nice. You end up seeing the boys just reading them around town, they eh, Just like the jackets. I I don't know, the cafe, you see the jacket, you know, you know the boys are over there. But um yeah. no, Swan Dry definitely look after the boys eh? and the boys love it.
2: I always mock my mates up in Auckland that like they've become sort of fashion accessories, the old Swan Dry jacket and kit. I'm like, mate, i always yell out to them at cafe. When are the cattle coming in, you clowns? Like they just like are <laughs> wearing red band boots and like the Swan Dry jacket to their son's Saturday morning sport. Like, I'm just like, oh mate. You can't wear red band boots and take a puna though. Like They'll try. It's like a fashion statement with some of them. Some of my mates, it's, it's crack up. But they're like a little bit older, like they're 40s. And they've got, um, oh, I just find it so funny. It's like there's not a farmer bone in their body and they literally are dressed like a farmer. It's just crack up.
0: Yeah, there's that Christchurch look two way with like the, the puffer vest, like the sleeveless puffer vest. That's the, the Christchurch I'm going to kids sport look. And you can <laughs> see them coming from a mile away. Bryn
2: Hall doesn't mind running a sleeveless puffer. It gives him freedom
0: to practice his passing, I suppose. Speaking of hard passes, man, that
2: guy can throw
0: a bullet. Yeah, he threw on a real nice uh, double skip pass in one of the last Crusaders games to the right and they scored that mean try and that was just like, oh...
2: Yeah, I, oh, bet know, I bet you know. I bet you know. In him, it was when it was, he wanted to do that because Drummy did one when he started the week before, and he would be like, "Right, I need to get a triple skip pass, try pass, just to match." <laughs> so competitive. Uh,
0: oh. hardbacks are the most competitive as a
1: breed? We have one at our club, and he is the most competitive guy I've ever met. So anything, that, any competition, he'll he will win. Well, he has to win
2: though, so. Yeah, or they keep a... going till they win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like if you win yeah. one or two, they're like, no, no,
0: no, again, 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 one more, one more, yeah, one more. Yeah. What about in the pack? Who's more competitive in the pack? Is there a position that in general? Like oh. imagine your hookers are probably there. Hookers, mate. Hookers are shocking. Hook, yeah. Yep. Hookers Ash yeah. Dixon's quite uh culty. Yeah.
1: Quite competitive. Yeah,
2: I'm the i I'm the same guy. I'm that guy that will go until I win. I <laughs> <laughs> won't leave. I just won't leave until, uh, until I've won. <laughs> and if I lose, my gosh, my throw a tantrum.
1: Well there's one thing at the land is that at the end of um at the end of one training we we'll would do one on one, you know, within your position, we'll do one on one, you know, and it just brings out that competition, you know, that competitive edge, you know. So one training I'd have to kick against Nietzsche or Bryn or um one training, you know, Ash would, would throw against Colton yes. Ricky. So it just brings out that edge eh, and um the old boys definitely don't let The young boys win those ones.
2: So it was good. Uh, I remember when I first came into the Blues, um, Kivi used to do the same thing. He'd be like, right, we're going to throw to the um, post or someone will stand up on a high box. And he's like, it's a 3-2-1 score. You get like two throws at the front, middle, back. And then yeah. whoever 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 wins uh, buys the other uh, gets bought a coffee or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, he was like, it was like we would we we took it so seriously, and like uh, Tom McCartney was there as well, and it was like, oh man, like every week, it was, like we'd walk over there and like we'd be all laughing and joking, like <laughs> hit the front ones and be like, oh yeah, three three, and then we'd get to the back and the band would start, and it, but it yeah. does, it's almost like great training for the game. Because yeah. you you actually start feeling like yeah, <laughs> anxious and feeling yeah. the pressure, and it's just a cup of coffee, but you're so you want to win so bad that it's like good good training, I suppose, because that's how you feel sometimes in the game.
1: Yeah, one thing with um Lima's because Lima was definitely helped me with my uh, goal kicking, but we would we would literally verse each other nearly every day or at least every week. And if you lost to him, like you'd almost rather miss in a game than lose to Lima because <laughs> his chat after would just ruin, you know. I'd go home
2: and I'd just be like,
1: man, you know, I'm just want to smack him. But if you like, well, I mean, one training or um, came down to the last kick between me and Lima and I had to get it to tie it and he, he this is after training he gets all the boys like boys boys come come look at Josh Miss come look at Josh Miss <laughs> and then all the boys like all the older boys start running over and you know um, Elliot Dixon and her, you know and they don't want to put the pressure on this young buck that's just coming. and then Liam is yelling out you know oh Ezra did you really sign this guy can't even kick you know <laughs> You can't even kick um, You really sign this guy I'm like Oh, yeah. oh nah. I don't even think I don't think I have that kicker I was like Oh You know your heart's beat Like, yeah. you know, like, like Jim said like, Those sort of things You know like, Those are like game Game day Game day actions eh? and yeah, At the time It's like a lot of pressure But then I feel like it makes you better For, for the game and stuff
0: but. Did you ever win one And just absolutely give it to him? I won. I won the first one. I won. It was, it's funny because when
1: I when I first came in with the Highlanders, I was injury replacement, and I thought I'd only be in for a week. And I really wanted to learn how to goal kick. And so for that week, I, I went to Lima, and I said Can um, you know, he teach me how to kick. He taught me how to kick. Gave me a few things. And then um, the very first competition we had that was the same day that I asked him, we had a comp, and I, and I won the first one. And I was a little bit embarrassed because you know I didn't really know him, and he would just gave me all these things, and then I won. And I was like, oh man. And then he wouldn't let me leave, and he's like, no. Nah, because I was for coffee he's like No, nah, double nothing Muffin, muffin And we had a muffin And I, and I won again And I was like Oh, like, I didn't want to win At this stage I didn't want to win Because I didn't know him <laughs> <laughs> Like I didn't know him And You know he just gave me All these tips And then you know, I won again I was like Oh no I And mean, then The next day He rocks in And gives me a coffee And a muffin And he's like We're going again today We're going again today And I think he won The next like 15, 16 comps And he Man, he's just In your ear You know He'll get his phone out And video you And oh He's a, he's a he's a sore loser. I get to tell you that.
2: I can imagine Kev, He's not that cruel. Oh mate, he's got a, he's a competitive man, mate. He's he's not maybe as verbally he'll he'll he'll, but he wants to win. He he's got a killer instinct, old oh, Kev. Don't you worry about that. Um, but that's what I was saying, you know, when we were talking potentially through lockdown um Ross around like maybe doing like a combine sort of thing and then like we we're talking about all the rules and stuff and that was my biggest thing I was like you guys are got to make sure you nail the rules are the same every time because I said when the boys get competitive it's like they'll let nothing go <laughs> absolutely <laughs> nothing and it like almost can end in a scrap sometime you know like technicalities, yeah, yeah. Technicalities, bro. <laughs> when they were talking about the, the line-out throwing one, and I was like, well, it'd have to be in the same place with every hooker because I know that, you know, for me personally, I'd be like, well, I had more wind, he had less wind, you know? Like, it would just get down to the absolute, like, nth degree and everything. Um, but I, I think that that's still a chance of happening you know, next year, maybe.
0: They're, they're working on it. Um, yeah. You've got to get that stuff past the trainers. That's the hard part.
2: Yeah, the coaches yeah. and
0: the players are into it, but the trainers are like, you know, just if he pulls a hammy while day. he's running
2: that twenty meter sprint. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, like it's a chance because this, as as I'm saying, like when the cameras are around, you know, everyone wants to be the fastest guy in New Zealand. I know one guy on our team would probably be there till it was dawn if he if he wasn't going to win it. it would be, Who's that? Make for great TV. Oh mate, you could guess, Reeks. He is competitive as he would want. <laughs> he would want that title. And he's fast. Huh? I saw it on the Blues notice board, like The fastest over 10 and 40 of all time. Like yeah. faster
0: than Joey Rockathoka.
2: Yeah, and, and that's outside too. Like it's not indoors. He, he does it outside on the grass in rugby boots. Just makes it look easy. Yeah, well that, Duffy was the same. Duffy was really quick uh, 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 through the lights and he almost looked slow. It was real weird. Like he, His rhythm was and he always had a saying. He goes um, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. That's what he'd always say, because it's like he just it looked like he's just running slowly and then I'd read the timeout and everyone's like, what? <laughs> like that. Some people just make it look good, eh? Yeah, then you've got Blake Gibson who like is just pent up anger when he runs. And like he, he's really quick because he's just like a power athlete. But with, the difference of him running and Duffy running, it's like two different. Um, he's just like this. He's like, ooh, just running, putting everything possible into it. It's uh, it makes for good. It would be good watching, man. It'd be good watching.
0: Um, but just things like because it would be cool to do it in a way where you did the stuff that everyone always does, like you know, the standing 40s and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, that has to be incorporated into the training regime because you know, if the trainers are recording every 40 meters that you run, you know,
2: yeah, um, so but it's also like, um, they build you up they like build your tolerance up to those one test, you know, when you're in the gym, it's like you're built up over like a five week program to do that one RM and the same with speed and stuff. So I can see where they're coming from, but hopefully because we've got time, uh, they can work something out because I reckon <laughs> it'd be great viewing. Just seeing, I reckon just seeing the personalities would be the better viewing than the actual results.
0: Hey, why don't we chat a bit of my 10 cup? Um, I suppose there's been, over the last few years, has been a few teams, uh, Southland, Northland, they've, Top some kind of winless seasons. Are we expecting maybe a tighter, Mighty Ken cup team? Uh, I mean, uh, competition this year, Jipper? Do you reckon?
2: Oh, potentially. I think because um, there's potential for All Blacks coming back, uh, which will strengthen some type, some sides, but then also even out others. Um, but I think the hardest thing, and the reason why you've we've probably seen that over the time, is just finances and, and the strain that it is on the on the game um, to contract players, but also attract players to um, certain parts of the country. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, that's that's led to some, I suppose, poor seasons. But if you look up north, I've just had a probably a wretched injury run as well. Like a lot of their key guys have been injured. And and then, you know, you're relying on a bit of depth that they might not have. So, hopefully, if guys like Tom Robinson and, and Goody and um, Sam Nock and, and hopefully, you know, I think Jack Goodhue's still there with them while, while he's allowed to play... They can stay stay fit, you know. Like it, it might be able to, you know, turn around and be a little bit tighter. Um, I know Tony Lamborn's extremely confident around Southland, but there's not much that Tony Lamborn isn't confident about. So, um, yeah, it's going to be. It's hard to tell. It could be could be ruthless in the sense that some teams are going to get heaps of All Blacks back, but. Um, depending on where their bodies are at after most of them played big minutes and um, super or coming back from injuries, uh, they you know coaches might actually back the the stock they've been working with for for a number of weeks. We could see some good crowds.
0: Like if they were to go up to Fung Day and have all of those top level players playing, you'd expect it to be
2: packed out, wouldn't you? I think that would play a massive part too, and maybe success. Like crowds are massive in terms of like the vibe you get um, and and I suppose the rush it gives you. Uh, you know like you prepare the same way but when there's a crowd there you, you've you just get it's just a different feeling and like you can just push yourself so much further when when a crowd's behind you or even when a crowd's coming at you you know like that's that's good as well for the for the traveling side so if if we can get our levels back down to level one and get some crowds in modernity 10 cup one it'll be great for the provinces for the for the taking and, and giving them some strength but be great viewing Um, it'll be great for the players and and, you know we've seen how good it was for for rugby and super rugby Aotearoa if it can continue into Mitre 10 Cup I think it'll only benefit the game more especially the community game because so many so much of that money will go back to the clubs and and junior rugby and and getting guys um, staying in our game uh, for future success
0: Totally, we've got Rideau coming to counties this year which is going to help them out in that way big time I reckon
2: I think guys like him, I was surprised because I thought the insurance would be a bit of an issue (laughs) there. But (laughs) he's obviously pulled some big strings to to have a crack. And I I just think, you know, similar to what I was saying for me when I first came into the All Blacks, a guy like him to have in that accounties environment and, you know, down to earth um, with that sort of experience is only going to benefit those guys massively, but also give them a real understanding of what the expectation is in, in preparation because that's where you get your success. That's where the game's probably won and lost these days is it starts on Sunday and, and finishes Friday and the game will just take care of itself and to have a player like that around and, and I suppose guiding a Ford pack uh, will be massive.
1: I was just talking about the uh, I was just talking about the crowd, but like it, um, it was a real experience playing against the Hurricanes at Forsyth with nobody there. You know, it was um, in a big Super Rugby game. We had uh, our mate's one fiftieth, uh, Ash's hundredth, and then it just you know, with no crowd being there. You know, it was just it was really weird um, playing in front of nobody. And I agree with what will say. You know, when there's crowds there, if we can get some crowds behind the minor ten teams, you know, they'll just help um, build those players and um, those players are able to you know push push a lot further and um, better quality better quality games. But like, um, what like point, you said with
0: um, Sorry, yeah. At uh, what point during the game did you notice the no crowds the most? Like, was there, were there particular moments like after a try or whatever? You just like,
1: yeah, after a try, kicking, goal kicking. Um, you know, it just felt it felt um different. No set piece, you know, calling strikes. You know, you get a, little, a couple of seconds to look in the crowd, but um, yeah, it was it was definitely an experience. Um,
0: but yeah, crowds definitely. Good for the game. I can imagine, Jipper, if you had no crowd, you wouldn't be able to give it this one at the line-out. Pretend that you <laughs> can't hear the line-out call just to delay the whole thing.
2: Oh, mate, I tell you what, um, I was just about to say, it would be nice not hearing Parsons, your average at every line-out for away games. <laughs> 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 uh, that would be quite nice. But I find it funny. I think, it, I think it's great. Um, especially, like, sometimes I've even I've even been told, especially down to the Crusaders, like, their crowd just um, riff into you at any chance you get, especially the yeah. Blues. Never with with Harbour, it's really weird. Like you go down there and it's like they don't consider Harbour Auckland for some reason. But if you go down there with the Blues, man, they are ruthless. And I, I was throwing one line out, and I some guy um, said something, and it, like I threw it right to the back. I was thinking it was the first line out this year, and just behind my back, I just gave a little cheers, mate, you know, just to let him know that I heard him um, because it almost it, it almost. Um, I don't know. Like so many sportsmen are motivated by proving people wrong, and that's a big, it's a massive motivator for me. So when people say that, it's almost it defeats the purpose for what they're trying to do because it just zones you in even further to wanting to you know nail your stuff and and rip in. But some of the stuff they come out with is is funny. I could never repeat it on here, um, but <laughs> it's it's um, it's some classic stuff. Especially if you're on the bench and you're warming up in front of the um, in front of the stands, they they get into you. But I must admit. Not that I remember at the time, but when I watched my injury back this year, um, you know, the, there's still that element of respect when I got knocked out that, you know, they were cheering me off and, and when I came back uh to sit on the bench, you know, they're all asking if I'm okay. So it's all in good fun, you know. So it's it's part of the game and and funny, but there's also the the kind side as well. I don't want to be too hard on them because next time I go down there I'll probably get more. I suppose it might Tim. we've also got teams that are st- Stacking themselves you
0: know we've seen reese and taler go to a team that was already very strong i think last year tasman had like every blindside flanker in the country who was an all black sign to them you know they had Talfour and everybody who was there uh, squire and Frizzell and everyone um is there room for some sort of evening out some sort of draft process some sort of salary cap something that kind of evens that out so you don't get these teams who suddenly are just Stacked with one position that everyone else would just die for. One of those four players from.
2: I would certainly die to keep Mark to lay, I can give <laughs> <a tip>. Um <laughs> Just one of our best players, and they've yeah. just taken him and then signed Reese. Oh, what a treat! Um, uh, it's hard to say because a lot of the guys there probably, because um, there is a salary cap. I'm pretty sure, but it's not reached by any. Will probably Tasman would be the closest. Um, but um, some guys go to teams like that for less money for the opportunity. Um, and then there's other guys, you know, it's hard when there's All Blacks because I think if they get picked for the All Blacks, then the union will get um, some financial money back um, for using them. Um, so, like, sometimes, you know, depending on what they sign signed on, maybe they, you know, can come out on the positive side of it. Um, I'm not too sure how it works, but there is that element. Um, but yeah, it'd, it'd be nice to even out, but you can't you can't have a crack at Tasman because because they've had the success. People want to go there, um, and with that, you know, uh, you know comes competition. And and it, I suppose you look at their team, and if when all the All Blacks are available, who's going to be on the wing? Because their wingers were hissing last year. And then you got Will Jordan, Dave Havili as well, Fire uh, Nuku Nuku. It's like man. It's in in Mark and Sevu. Um yeah, you know, it's pretty exciting for them, but you know, daunting if you if you've got to go down there.
0: <laughs> what would that back line look like? I suppose you put Jordan at full back, you slot Haveli into the midfield. And then
2: yeah.
0: is Leicester Fang a, a chance to go you into the in, midfield as well, maybe play in centre?
2: Yeah, potentially. I suppose you'd you'd want you'd want them on the field. Um but you you also know I think Dave Haveli is pretty keen to play fullback. I don't think he like Overly wants to be in the midfield as much as people assume. So, he might just be like, well, let's have a crack at going for full-back and, and seeing how it works. But it, it'll be a tough one. I mean, it's a good problem to have. Um, and then, you know, the forwards will be under the pump to make sure they get good ball for them because you want to set them alight.
1: But Otago hasn't done too bad. you know. got a uh, couple of old dogs coming back. Nasi Maru.
2: That's um, a good signing. Yeah,
1: Josh Honnick. So I'm really looking forward to working um, with those boys, and they're going to be great for our um, our young boys coming through. You know, Nussie, like you guys spoke about with um, Karen Reed, he's he's a, um, he's a machine. He was actually in the gym the other day. He'd done a 10 k watt bike, and he just smashed it. And then he sort of jumps off the um, jumps off the bike, and he can't even walk. You know, he's crawling. You he know. And all the boys see him do that. All the boys start training hard, you know. So, um, he's going to be massive for us. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to working with him, man.